Welcome to the Habits and Hustle podcast, a podcast that uncovers the rituals, unspoken habits, and mindsets of extraordinary people. A podcast powered by Habit Nest. Now here's your host, Jennifer Cohen. Welcome to Habits and Hustle. We have a really special guest today. We have Sean Neff. And for those of you who don't know who Sean is, let me just tell you that he is known as the brand whisperer. He has, he's basically a huge investor, he's a big entrepreneur, and obviously very good with building brands. Some of his companies have been Neff, we'll get into that, Sunbomb, and he does, like basically he has a company right now, a, an oral care company with Kendall Jenner. So welcome, Sean. What's up? What's up? You're putting me to work here on this treadmill. I know, I, I put everybody to work. Pass out like two or minutes. fall, yeah, or fall. Well, you can always hold on to the sides, yeah. I'm if, doing that if you get kind of you know unstable, okay. Um, but the whole idea back basically is to kill two birds with one stone, you know, burn some calories, get your like blood flow going while we talk. I need that. Well, I'm glad we can be of service. Put my here. gum in my cap Perfect. here, just don't forget to get that gum, yeah. yeah okay, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, who gave you the name Brand Whisperer? Ah, actually, um, Forbes did. So I did an article and just kind of told my story about my journey, how I've started several different companies, I've invested in brands, and just was kind of riffing with this editor. And then like a month later, the story came out and it was just like, you know, Sean Neff, the brand whisperer, right? And I was kind of like, whoa, like that's amazing. Cause me, I like brand things yes. and build businesses for a living and I'm like, I don't even think I could have came up with a title that's rather than that. So I kind of just took it and I'm like, I love that. A, it's rad that Forbes gave it to me and right. B, I just thought it was cool. So that's, that's a great title. The nickname. Well, it's a great nickname, especially if you are somebody who builds brands. And yeah. I mean, there's no other bigger compliment than, than that really, yeah. right? No, I liked it. So then how did you like start your journey? Because your first company was called Neff, Neff right? Yeah. And it's in the... Um, in the snow, in, in the in the surfing kind of yep. activewear. Okay, so how did that whole? How did you begin? Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California. Was always, you know, into surfing, skating, snowboarding, kind of as an activity and something I love to do. And then at a young age, I was just always super intrigued with branding. Like for me, it was like, okay, I'm in high school. First day of school, I'm like, what logo am I going to rock on my chest, right? right? So it was like such a big deal because it meant like what music I'm into, what I did on the weekend, what culture I'm buying into. So I was always like a brand geek on like what it meant for me to be a consumer and buy something and why was I buying it. So that intrigued me so much that I was always like, I want to start my own brand. I would love to create something that maybe someone would love as much as I love buying this t-shirt or going to this skate shop and how, how it made me feel. So with that, I just, uh, as a freshman in college, I put my last name Neff because I tried to trademark a couple other names right. and they weren't available. So I got frustrated and it was funny. The thought went through my head. If you've heard the brand of Hurley, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Bob used his last name. I can use mine, right? It was just like a simple thought and it was four letters and, and, and could look good on a tag. So I put my last name on t-shirts, was running around college. I'd find like kids walking to class that had like dope sneakers. And I was like, yo, you want to buy a t-shirt? I was just literally selling t-shirts out of my backpack. 
and put like Neff stickers on the stop sign, had like the cool dude skating at the skate park, rocking it, like the rad DJ, kind of created this cool little buzz. Um, and then I started hanging out with a bunch of different pro snowboarders mm-hmm. and like snowboarding with them. And I was always trying to get them to wear my t-shirt. And they were like, I can't wear your t-shirt. I'm on like Burton and Nike and Oakley and they had all these deals. And I was like, okay, I've never seen a deal. I've never seen a contract. Can I see one? And I took it home and read through it. And it said nothing about headwear. So I was like, man, I was like, do you think I can put Neff on like a hat or a beanie and they can wear it and it doesn't conflict with their endorsement deals? I said, that seems too obvious. Like, but that was kind of my window of opportunity where I was like, I'm going to go with it because legally I think I can do this. And I didn't know how to make a beanie or a hat. So the true story is I went to a 99 cent store, like mad ghetto with like 40 bucks, rolled into the store and bought some of the ugliest headbands and beanies you've ever seen in a Sharpie. And I literally just wrote Neff on these dollar headbands. And I showed up to an Olympic televised event and handed out a bunch of these ghetto beanies talking to agents saying, hey, he can rock it. This could be cool, right? And they're like, oh, maybe, but they're probably gonna get in trouble. And that day, some of the you know top guys in the world wore my last name on their wow. head and got so, on TV. And all so that. you literally like just saw that opportunity in the contract and then just, you basically had a lot of, you were very resourceful. Mm-hmm. So were you always just resourceful, like as a kid, kind of being able to figure <sighs> stuff out like that? Because, I mean, that's clever. You saw the, the contract and you just, you knew. Mm-hmm. That yeah, I think I was always a kid that kind of just drove and I was very competitive. And like, even if it's down to like, playing ping pong with my brothers. It's like, I have to win. Like, I'm going to win. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. Like, so for me, I think I've always had this like super heavy drive just to figure it out and, right. and to try to, you know, win in per se. So I think for me, I'd already invested so much time and energy into Neff and selling t-shirts and I hit this wall. So I think I was just figuring out so many different ways how I can break through and get relevant people that had big followings that can help blow up the brand rocking it. So I think it was just one of those moments where I read the contract and the brain was just spinning. And I was just like, wow, that could be an avenue. But it helped that I guess that you had the relationships with these like big time pro surfers or pro yeah. because like, I mean, did anybody kind of give you pushback? Like, I don't know, man, I'm scared. Like what if I wear it and they take away my Nike contract? Because it's such a fine line, especially when a company's paying you so much money. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I think I'd been hanging out with a handful of them yeah. and they kind of knew me. I was young. I was like the right. same age as them or if not younger. So I think it felt very like non-competitive. Right. Right. Just kind of like whatever. It's right. Nice. He's got these beanies. So for me and, you know, we initially put on, I don't know, in the first six months, we probably had 30 of the biggest pro snowboarders in the world. Like kids from Europe and, you know, South America and all over the world, right? And what I did was try to get like the coolest dudes, right? Yes, they were big, you know, big pro athletes, some of the best riders in the world, but it was all about image, right? right? Because for me, it wasn't about, oh, you know, I'm gonna go off and win the Olympics or do well in X Games. It was like, how's this dude rocking his pants? Right. Does he have good style? And and headwear at the time was kind of underserved. It was, you know, Burton and all the big guys made beanies, but it was like 
you know, they're focused on boards. Right. They're focused on bindings, outerwear. So like beanie would be like the last thing. They hurry and design 20 of them. Right. So I just honed in and made the raddest looking ones and kind of got the culture and a bunch of these athletes behind it to where it felt like a group of support. So it wasn't about one dude getting in trouble. It was about like a combination know, of dudes. A bunch of dudes. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of the coolest dudes in snowboarding would have all gotten in trouble. So, so did, did you get, I kind of just snuck in there. Did you get like yeah, but that's how you have to do it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Did you get a huge so after you so people started seeing that, did you get some kind of massive order from like a department store or how did you start yeah selling these things to to, to people who saw these beanies? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the game's so different now in building brands. I know. Like I look at how we started Neff and then like these brands now we're launching with some of the biggest talent in the world. It's like night and day strat different strategy. But back to the Neff days, it was very like, you know, there was no social media. Right. There was no, it was like you had to resonate in small little spaces, which I kind of love in theory because it gives you time to figure out your brand. You can like test a certain market and you can work with a couple retailers and what's working, what's not. Whereas nowadays you're on blast day one, the world knows, and you're yeah. just trying to figure it out. So, so at Neff, we started initially just with like, our first store was Milo. It was like Milo. And it was this little snowboard shop that was rad. And they literally brought in like, even our first product was so ghetto. I was buying hats and beanies from another company that was already making hats and beanies. And I literally would take the beanies and I'd buy some where they just had woven labels on it. Mm -hmm. And rip it off. And I would rip it yeah. off, right? And then I'd, my wife had an aunt that lived like 20 minutes down from you know, where we lived. And we'd go down and she'd sew all these little Neff labels on it because I didn't know how to make a beanie, right? right? And, and so it started super small in like core shops. And then it expanded. And the next thing that I kind of jumped on, which was another good step in blowing up the business was it's all about sales reps back then mm -hmm. it was like so i went to the guy in socal that did you know he did burton so he was you know, burton at the time was the biggest snowboard brand in the world mm -hmm. so from la to like santa barbara he was in like a thousand stores aren't they still like who's the biggest brand they're right still, now yeah, yeah i mean they're still one of the biggest yeah for yeah. sure but you know, once again, I found that niche to get athletes. Right. And then I was like, okay, cool. If the athletes can do it, then I need to go find these big sales reps that are walking into these stores every day, right. already selling the best brand. And that's how I'm going to get in. Right. So I, I, I locked in him as my first ever rep and he would walk in and you can imagine him walking in. It's the Burton guy shows up. So these big shops are going, whoa, when it comes November to March, 60% of my revenue is coming from that guy. Right. So he comes in, it's a big deal. He shows Burton. And then at the end, he brings out these little bag of beanies and is like, yo, here's this cool new brand Neff. Here are all these crazy athletes rocking it. And every shop was like, dope. Like there's not a beanie brand and those are killer athletes. And we just got in distribution doing that. And for the first two or three, well, even like first four or five years, we were just in little mom and pop surf skate snow right. shops, keeping it super tight. Do you think like a lot of people that it becomes very confusing when I think I see a lot of times people put out so many SKUs and they try to do everything versus just focusing on one thing mm -hmm. and doing it really well and being known for that. 
Do you see that companies, like, that's how they fail a lot of times? Yeah, I think in the beginning, and, and for the life of your brand, you need to know who you are. Mm -hmm. It's like, pick your lane, stay in your lane, right. know what you're great at, and go. And even for me, personally, I've been able to figure that out over these last several years. Like, I now know my lane. Like, right. I know the Sean Neff lane, right? I went from being a CEO, and, and like, I remember reading Jack Welch books, yeah. like, oh, greatest <laughs> yes. CEO. And I'm like, raw, I'm like so excited to be this big time CEO one day. Yeah. And I will never have that title ever in my life because that's just not my skill set. That's not what I'm great at. Right. Yeah, I was able to do it. And now I've built several companies that I can be a CEO, but I know my lane, right? right. To ideate brands, to find you know, unique opportunities in the market that are underserved that I can come in and disrupt real quick and then hire the right people to execute. So for brands, yes, you got to stay in your lane. And part of the genius of Neff was we just made beanies right. for like four or five years. It was just like, we're the beanie company. There wasn't another beanie company. So every store you walked into, the reps are like, hey, like there's 10, there's 15 snowboard companies to choose from. There's 15 sneaker companies. There's one beanie company. I'm surprised like nobody saw the success and decided to duplicate it. Yeah, I mean, after we started, there was definitely dedicated beanie brands. Yeah. And now, since that, there's been a ton. Right. But we were the first, like, and especially for snowboarding, you're like, that's why I was shocked because I was like, that's what's on their head. They're yeah. like winning contests and they're getting interviewed and it's like Neff on their that's head. That's what I was going to say. I'm so, I'm so surprised that Nike or, or uh, Burton or all these people wouldn't like kind of tap into that, right? Because it's the first thing that you see, right? Visually. Yeah, I was shocked too. I mean, even when it first read that contract, I was like, oh, here's a dice roll. Yeah, Let's right, see if right. this works. And it kind of worked. And over the time, you know, they after, after we yeah. blew up and then Neff, we started expanding and doing watches and socks and apparel and backpacks. And right. we kind of turned into a lifestyle brand. And at that stage, you know, the athletes yes. got locked in. And then the other thing that actually was random that came in pretty heavy on our business was the energy drink thing. Right. So like Red Bull, Monster, Rockstar, everyone started coming into action sports. Right. And I had always owned everyone's head. So then all of a sudden these guys wanted to own the head. So if yeah. you look at all the big, you know, beverage deals, it's all headwear deals. So for the first several years, it was crazy. Like Neff had already kind of blow up, blown up. And for a lot of years, we were making Monsters beanies and Rockstars beanies. So it would have a Neff logo and a rock. So I was trying to get in there as much as I could. But, you know, those guys were spending so much money. Well, yeah, I was going to say, did you, did you then have to start paying your friends slash athletes? Eventually, yes. To start wearing your stuff, like, like a contract like anybody yep. else would have to give. Yep. So how many beanies did you end up selling? Oh, gosh. Like millions and millions? Millions and millions. And I don't even, I mean, yeah, we would sell three, four million a year, right? Right. We, so we probably sold, I don't know, 30 something million beanies. Because was it that your revenue was like almost half a billion dollars in beanies or what was the? Yeah. The so we've, I mean, the company as of now, right. And I've, you know, I sold majority of the business about five years ago. And then we sold um, the whole thing about two and a half years ago. So I'm like not involved in my little baby anymore, right, which right. is kind of interesting. But um, yeah, the business has done, you know, over half a billion you know, in retail sales, which is pretty crazy. And then when you sold it, who did you sell it to? Yeah, so the first 
Um, the first gig, we sold it to private equity, okay. a private equity company. And then the second, when we sold the whole thing, we sold it to a company called Mad Engine, which is just kind of like a licensing company. And then how much did you sell it for? Not that, I mean, a good amount. <laughs> a good amount. Okay, I know you don't want to tell me, but. It's all private stuff. Was it less or more than 50 million? Just less or more? And I won't ask another question you about that. You won't ask another question. No, I won't ask. Yeah, I mean, the value of the company was yes, probably more than 50 million. Okay. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. Okay, fine. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave you at that. But normally I would, you know, keep on drill asking. People. I would drill. Yeah, I'll drill. <laughs> But for the, because this podcast only is a certain amount, we have a lot of amount of time, kind okay. of. Um, but that's awesome. So then were you, so did you, before you started NAP, I want to ask you this, did you have any money to even, like, were you, did you come from a place where they gave you, you raised money or you had family money? Like, how did you even start NEF in the first place? Yeah. Because so, now you're a huge investor. I get it. But yeah. yeah so NEF was awesome. It was, you know, I had still have an, an amazing dad. Okay. Right. So it, I was, you know, freshman in college, had the idea. Right. And, uh, you know, initially it was a minimal amount of cash, right? right? right, right. Several thousand dollars or who knows what it, the initial startup cost was. And then started, you know, getting traction. And then we started getting like distributors right. in Canada and people that wanted to like buy a lot of beanies. And I'm like, whoa, I don't have money to like buy the beanies to well, do that. Right. So my dad from the beginning was always amazingly supportive and he kind of saw my vision and my drive and my dad ended up, you know, in the early stages of the business, um, putting in some capital. Right. And, okay. you know, he had some equity in the company and, and it was just rad. Right. I mean, now looking back as my first hurrah and the first business I started to have someone like my dad, who I trust who was always there giving me the insights and, and, and being a realist on a bunch of stuff was kind of a great advocate. So we went and, and scaled that business just on our own forever. We didn't, we, ever ra we never raised capital. We never had outside investors. Um, and whenever, you know, we had to step up and we had a good relationship with the banks and um, with Wells Fargo help us, you know, really scale our business. But, you know, my dad was always there if, we needed to grow. And then, uh, yeah, we ran a smart, tight ship that was, that grew every year, um, you know, and was a profitable business. And we ended up doing that until we exited. What is your dad? Is he a business guy? I guess he, he's a kind of a tax lawyer. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he was where his real value was, is like setting up the company yeah. and trademarks and all that stuff. That's really important. Super valuable for mm -hmm. sure. So then, then you started with all these other big brands, right? So Sunbum was the other one that you were a big investor in. Yeah. So Sunbum, it's a cool story. I, I was just, you know, chilling one day and my phone rang, um, from just a buddy of mine that I went to college with. And he said, Hey, there's like this guy that lives down the street, um, that has, and was a part of this brand called, uh, Sunbum and it's a sun care, small little sun care business and they need money and they're very interested in you helping them out, maybe funding, putting in some cash and you've obviously built a brand in Neff. So, um, they seem also like very, like they, they, there's like synergy there, right? From like surfing sun, yeah. you know, like there's a lot of, I like, think, I think they saw in me that I, yeah. you know, they're going in the path of all these surf skate snow shops and I right. had just built 
you know, Neff through that whole channel right. very successfully. But yeah, Sunbum was was incredible. I mean, you know, at the time they needed, you know, some money and I ended up funding um, the business. And at that time, six or seven years ago, I became the second largest shareholder of, of Sunbum, which was which was awesome. And the team did an incredible job operating the business. So I didn't operate the business. Um, I was just there kind of as, you know, investor and advised on Target and some of the big retailers and, right. and, and that. But yeah, and we just sold that company like seven or eight weeks ago so to uh, SC Johnson. So that was another kind of life-changing moment. That's like a big win again. Like, do you have any losses or just win, 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 win? I yeah, mean- no, I mean, there's always, there's always little losses here and there, right? Um, I mean... Fortunately, a lot of them have been wins, but there's been small little projects or investments that yeah. I put money in and I'm like, I don't even you know, know if the company's going anymore. I mean, right. There's a handful of those. And, and then there's some ones I've been a part of, um, just startup stuff kind of outside my kind of specialty that I've maybe put money in and helped do a couple things. But um, yeah, anything that I've really put time, energy into and, had focus and my own capital in has turned out pretty well so far. So knock yeah, on wood. yeah, knock on wood. wood. Yeah, it's close That's enough. Wood. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, I think, yeah. So is it because like you said, you focus on the stuff that you're good at, right? Yeah. And then you let the people or you balance it out by finding people or let the people who are good at what they do, do what they do. Like staying in your lane is super important yeah. to success overall. Yeah, I think now... You know, now it's different, right? Because I've been fortunate enough to have a couple exits and I've advised for amazing companies over the year like Sony and Target and, you know, Retailer 5 Below and there's a handful of other big ones. But so for me, I've always been, you know, very active in all that I'm doing and have a lot on my plate. And, And for me, I've kind of got to this level now where I just love ideating. I love, like, one of the things I do is I spend a lot of time at retail. Mm-hmm. I'm just like a weirdo. I'll walk around stores. And even one of our brands we launched called Moon, I used to chill and hang out in aisles. And for me, the oral care aisle <laughs> was just like the ugliest aisle in the store. Yeah. I just sit there and be like, okay, you got these big blue and green big bottles and these big plastic things. And then you've got, you know, this same big like red, white and blue sea that I've seen ever since I was a kid. And I'm kind of just going like compared to like the beauty aisle. Right. Right. And I'm just going, wow, like this, it's, it's doesn't look great. There's not, there's no good design here. There's no. So for me, I've been able to kind of know what I'm good at, which is kind of finding either a great products Mm -hmm. where I think there's room for something new, right? Because anytime you start a company, I always think like, okay, imagine you're going to have to go sit with the buyer and the buyer is going to say, okay, I'm the buyer of oral care, Mm -hmm. you know, at Target. And they're going to be like, my business is great. It's doing just fine. I'm selling a lot of toothpaste and a lot of mouthwash and a lot of toothbrushes. They really don't need anything more. So you got to come in with a massive point of difference and convince them that they're going to take a brand off the shelf that's probably performing Mm -hmm. and put yours on and take a risk. So I think I've been, you know, fortunate enough and it's just kind of how I'm wired that 
I can kind of see stuff that could be better mm -hmm. and then turn that into product, which, you know, oral care wasn't just that, you know, oral care was something that always just looked ugly on your shelf. It's like right. if your friends are coming over, you're hiding it. So I'm kind of like, yo, make it look dope next to like the Chanel bottle, right? And make right, it look something right. that's clean and it's like the soft touch on the packaging. It feels good. And there's a whole experience. But then what made the oral care thing really smart is no one ever had an oral beauty conversation. Because there's so many beauty regimens, yeah. but no one ever talks about your oral care and routine in the beauty regimen. So, so that's kind of how my brain works. It's kind of like, whoa, the aisle. Make it right. look better. Is that good enough? Probably not. Oral beauty. Oh, that's insane. And then we created this skew, this whitening pen. And it's like, this could be disruptive and a massive skew. And I'm like, who's going to tell the story? Right. right? right and it's right. like, who's the biggest supermodel in the world? Kendall Jenner. So like I went to Kendall's house and I was like, yo, here's Moon. Here's the concept. More from our guest, but first a few words from our sponsor. Did you know 24 million Americans, that's more than the population of Florida, want to work for themselves by the year 2021? But sadly, 35% of them cite inconsistent income as one of the biggest things holding them back. If money's a big deterrent, would getting paid twice as fast help you make that leap? Have you heard of FreshBooks? It's a cloud accounting software that basically does your invoicing for you. And on top of that, gets you paid twice as fast. And yes, it's really easy to use because it's made for entrepreneurs just like you. FreshBooks lets you create and send invoices automatically, accept credit cards and ACH payments right on invoices. It automates payments for reoccurring invoices and it automates invoice payment reminders. So overall, FreshBooks helps you face big challenges like getting paid so you can focus on actually growing your business. And right now, I'm giving my listeners a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks right now. No credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com slash habits and enter habits and hustle in the how did you hear about us section and you can start your free trial today. I love what you say. I just I went to Kendall's house. You're right because most most entrepreneurs can just wander into the into Kendall Jenner's house easily and just say, "Hey, I got an idea for you." You know, people get arrested for doing that, right? Exactly. So, like, I'm glad that you said that. So then, how did that? So there's two things. Number one, my mm -hmm. first question is, do you need celebrity, quote unquote, to help push products now? That's my first part of my question. Okay. And secondly, um, how did you just walk into Ken like, what was? Yeah. What was the thing? Do you have a lot of relationships with celebrities that yeah. now you're doing a lot of partnerships or? Yeah. So let's start on the relationship tip. So at Neff, we started with big Surfskate snow athletes. And then right. I partnered with, you know, Snoop and Dead Mouse and you know, Wiz Khalifa and Future and Scarlett Johansson right. and Kevin Durant, right? So it's a massive list. But not just massive lists. You're 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 going after these people are all A-list. Yes. You're not like dealing with a bunch of like, you know, randoms that yeah. are on some reality show. Yeah, and it, no yeah. offense to anyone on a reality no, show. Oh yeah, we love everybody. We love everybody. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, so look at Neff, it was all about people of influence, right? So when it first started, I knew we were going after the Surfskate Snow Market. Right which back then was just like the thriving youth culture market. Like today it's a lot tougher. Because back then it was like Surfskate snow shops were like the cool stores. Yeah. And then it's not really that anymore. Well, yeah. So where kids are getting trend and, and what have you. So 
I was able to stay focused with those athletes, but then I knew if I'm going to blow up this brand and Neff was in like 72 countries and was a global business, I knew I had to have massive people, right? right? So Snoop was the first one I signed. So I was very... How'd you get to Snoop? Yeah, so I got to Snoop randomly. One of our accounts, it was called like CCS. It was like a big mail, you know, catalog order thing that you can do online of Surfskate Snow products. I was sitting with the buyer and he said, hey... I went to college with this guy, Nick, who's now managing and working all of Snoop's deals. Mm. So I was like, oh, like hook me up. So I went and had lunch with Nick and we talked about Neff and everything. And at that time there was already like Lil Wayne and a bunch of guys were already rocking Neff beanies. So yeah. there was all, it was like this cool vibe already. So I said, hey, let's do a capsule collection. And the timing was insane. We had, it was like two weeks after I had met Nick and we were having that lunch. He said, he said, it's crazy. Like Snoop's doing all these big things over the next month, which Snoop always yeah. does big things. He's always like a, a million. How does he have time? He's doing like know. 70. I see it. You see him everywhere. Now he's with like Martha Stewart. Like, yeah. It's so he's a beast. <laughs> he really is. A beast. is. He he's really a, is. He's, yeah, but it was cool because Snoop was doing the VMAs with Katy Perry okay. on their California song or whatever. Right. So he came out and I was like, oh, perfect timing. I said, Let's make him a Neff shirt. We'll put a big cartoon dog. We'll create this thing, like this one-off Neff kind of dog Snoop collection. And let's launch this, right? So then this was like, my game now is I do this for a living right. with big brands. But that was like the first one where I, you know, we made this like longest, biggest shirt you've ever seen in your life. Almost like we never had to make a shirt that big. I mean, Snoop's was wearing them like to his knees and he was already like super tall. I think he's taller than you and you're oh, tall. Yeah. He's How like, tall are you? I don't know, maybe 6'3". Okay, he's what? He's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, maybe. He's wow. tall. Um, so that's kind of how it started was collaborating, you know, with Snoop. And we had all this success with just, okay, hey, he's going to be on the VMAs. And then this retailer just bought a half a million dollars of this t-shirt and then it just blew out. And it was at, like this moment. At the time, was collaborations more like... Whatever we sell, we're, you're going to get a percentage of sales, or did you have to pay them uh, like a like a some kind of advance payment, like a spokesperson payment yeah. plus equity? How is those deals structured back then? I know now it's different. We'll yeah. get to that, but yeah, and they're all they're all a little bit different back in the day. I mean, like some talent, they were cool for just a rev share. It's right. like, hey, I'll take you to Zoomies. Like you're launching like Wiz, you're launching your album, right. and I've got my brand's one of the hottest companies in Zoomies and they have 650 locations in the mall and I have the wow. front window. So like, let's put your album cover there. Let's drop the collections. So now Wiz's team's like, oh cool. We're going to get 5 million kids a week looking at Wiz's yeah. album drop. That's free marketing. And then, you know, I'd give him a big royalty of what he made. So it was kind of a win-win and some we had to pay up front, some and kind I guess, of all different. I guess it's also easy or when you're like a brand that's selling so much stuff mm -hmm. to get to these people. So then like, yeah. so then, okay, like, let's like fast. Back to Kendall. Yeah, fast forward, yeah, back to like but, oral but the roots, care and yeah. Kendall. Yeah, so the roots of all that is, I guess the point is I worked with a ton of talent. Yeah. So I kind of met a lot of the agents, right. a lot of the talent, people knew Neff, they knew me. So I kind of got in a little bit with some credibility. I'd made made people money on the talent side. I was I was trusted. Right. So in true story, about seven years ago, through Pac Sun, I did a collaboration with Kendall and Kylie. Might even be like eight or nine years ago. Oh wow. So that's when I first met Kendall and Kylie. And they were like Kids. just these little 13, 14 year old girls. Right. And we did maybe 15, I don't even know how old they were, but um 
just young girls pre like blowing up yeah. and we did some neff beanies so that's kind of how i first met them and then i've met you know became close with chris over the years and and a, a bunch spent some fun times with kanye so for me i've kind of been able to know the family a right. little bit so i was able to hit chris and you know kendall and went over to their house and well, showed she, them the brand so she was the first one that came to your mind you're like you know 100 percent for Jen. moon yeah and so like what so what is the so now what's the partnership so you went there you pitched this idea of having what are the products you have toothpaste and yeah toothpaste toothbrush mouthwash floss um those are kind of our four main categories and then now we're launching we have something called like the moon dust which is like a whitening enhancer so we've got a lot of products and yeah we were already doing the business what was cool about moon is we already started it we got it up and running we already talked to target we already talked to ulta they were already into the idea at its oh. core pre-kendall so they loved the idea of wow you're going to disrupt oral care it's going to look like that i've never seen oral care that's looked like that how many years ago was this you said just 18 months ago that's not very long ago no we've only launched moon's been in business for maybe seven months right because i feel like lately i've been there's there's so many more toothpaste and rinse uh -huh. companies than there's ever been before right like that's kind of like yeah so there's, there's been a couple i mean there's not so many there's not thousands yeah, yeah. but i mean it's not just crest and colgate there's more yeah other, like this natural natural organic. toms all the different yeah right so then what's your point of difference between them and yeah i think ours is one packaging mm. like there's not another brand i think that like sits vertical on your shelf that just looks good you don't want to like knock it off if you're trying right. to clean your house and then number two it's you know it's good stuff I mean, we spent 18 months we hired i mean that's what i do now right mm. it's i can ideate and help create the company is called beach house and that's kind of our beauty incubator and we hire great people so right. like our operator you know of all of our businesses have 10 plus years of experience the marketing people so each one of these has its own individual operating team mm -hmm. so we're good at ideating and kind of teeing up everything then we have hire incredible people to go run these businesses so for us the packaging right our product development team i mean it's you know it's sls free it's paraben free it's ada approved so it's actually really good product and better for you mm -hmm. and then on top of that i think organic or not organic yeah i mean organic's a funny word because it's yes. like it, it, what's organic to one person is not vegan right okay, yeah so um, all these buzzwords there's all these buzzwords yeah. but and they change every day so I, I think for us it's the combination right it's like it looks great it's better for you kendall jenner is talking about it every 10 days so you kind of just put that is that is that the contract unique... every 10 days she has to mention it no i mean she's so she's an equity partner all of our yeah. all of our you know kendall jenner tracy ellis ross millie bobby brown shay mitchell yeah. our four big partners that we've launched these brands out at beach house all are they're in it to win it yeah right that's and i've met with a lot of talent I'm and, sure. and had a lot of pitches and a lot of meetings of who wants to build a business but it you know i try to choose people that want to work mm -hmm. that feel authentic and credible to that market right it's like the whole brand is not kendall jenner it's not kendall jenner's toothpaste brand right she promotes the whitening pen which is an on-the-go teeth whitener oh. right so moon is the brand and kind of the hero right and kendall promotes and pushes those products but you know she's 
She like, lives the brand though. She's like a perfect fit for that. Perfect fit. Yeah. She loved it. She wants to push it. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of the gig, trying to find people like that. that so it, work. is she only rev share in that pen or the entire moon pro in the whole? Yeah, I mean, now we're getting into contract stuff, <laughs> but um, she's, the way I would say that is, is you're pretty, you know, fairly spot on, but um, for her, right, which with all the talent, it's like, we want to build businesses that can quickly get to, you know, 30 to 50 million in revenue, mm -hmm. which we think we can achieve and how fast over is that 12 happen? to 24 months, mm -hmm. right? Because um, we've got a unique formula. We've got a killer digital team. We've got these massive influencers that broadcast to mm -hmm. the world. And then we have incredible relationships with retailers. So we'll, yeah. like Moon, it's like day one, 900 stores in Ulta. And then six weeks later, 3,500 stores in Target. And then I How think can you lose? two days ago, we just shipped CVS, 4,000 stores. So, so we kind of have the trust. Um, and my partner, you know, PJ Bryce, who's kind of our CEO that runs the day, um, he kind of handles directly with a lot of the retailers. And it's like, we just got a good little machine where, look, business is not easy. You yeah. can always lose. But I think after having doing this a couple times and being so selective, it's like everyone we light up, you're kind of going, okay, we got this. We got point of difference. We got a great product. We got an amazing, right. you know, person to tell the world it exists. We have the best retailer in the world that's supporting it. We've got, right, so, you have everything to stacked win, in you your have to corner. Stack. Yes. And I mean, how do people we'll see. how do people like win or even how do they compete against someone like you or in or like or or Beach House, right? Because you literally have every building block necessary. And if someone's just starting out, how do they get Kendall Jenner or how do they get like yeah. they don't have you know, you have to have like it seems like it's you have to have so many variables like just right to kind of mm -hmm. get it to go. Yeah, I mean, but that's what I love about being an entrepreneur, right? It's like when I started Neff, I know I had nothing stacked on my side, right. right? Even down to like our first trade show booth was, I was like, oh man, we have a trade show in like five days, and I and I was driving past a haunted house that just shut down. I was like, those are walls, so I like <laughs> drive in. I was like, can you cut like a ten by ten? I gave right. him my little wow. email, and he just like cut these Halloween walls, and I drove. A truck down and that was my booth right so like if i thought today of like okay we've got a trade show i'm gonna go find a haunted house and have them cut a wall that wouldn't even come to my mind right, right. i would just be like oh we would lose at the trade show right right but obviously i didn't lose and it won right so that's what i love about starting businesses is like to me sure there's some advantages with access to capital and relationships to get talent or get retail and that's obviously the lucky position I'm in today that I've done this for a while right, right. and had some success. But to anyone else that's doing it for their first time, like, sure, I might have a couple things over them, but their grittiness and hustle and whatever they're going to do might be an up on what we have. So that's what I love about right. the entre entrepreneur world. It's like, yo, I don't know whether we win or someone else wins. Who knows? It's up to the consumer to right. tell us what they like, why they like it. So I wouldn't, you know, anyone that wants to start a business or has an idea. I mean, I like just how I look at, you know, like we've had a lot of success, but I'm looking at like, 
the P&Gs and Unilevers, the 50 to $100 billion companies. And I'm looking at them as like, okay, how do I attack them? I feel like a lot of people are now, because of the brick and mortar being so, it's not just, it's very competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, And it could also kill your business, right? If you don't sell and... But like paying for shelf space and all that, mm-hmm. like I find, is that, do you see a trend in people just selling now, just creating online, like through through digital ads and internet yeah. marketing and obviously social media? Like, I feel like a lot of brands are doing that. Yeah, that's kind of it's weird, right? Because if you look at CPG, I feel like like eight or nine years ago it was all this like retail's dying and like raw yeah. and like yeah, you gotta. It's all about your website. It's all about user acquisition. And you've got to create this formula and test it 17 times and double down on what works, which in theory is still valid. But like what I and 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 for me, I've loved it because I'm like, yo, I want everyone to think retail's dying. I want everyone <laughs> to play there. And I'm just going to go here and, and right. still like 80, 75 percent or whatever it is of all products are sold at stores. Right. So right. Regardless of how big the online biggest is it's tiny compared right. to what's sold at retail. But I think you got to be in both, right? Because there's been brands that have been all, they raised a ton of money and they're like spending tens of millions of dollars a month to acquire customers. And to me, that just aggravates me because they're figuring out an algorithm. They're figuring out a way to do this promotion to this free shipping to this, to that. They're doing all they can to convince someone that maybe they should buy this product. So they're getting a customer, but it's short-lived. Because sure, you'll sign up for something that seems crazy, but if you don't love it, and if you don't love the brand, you're back to what you were on to before. So I've seen a lot of companies in this like user acquisition, spend a lot of money to acquire customers. Most of those haven't panned out. I mean, a lot of them, they raise all this money, it's a billion dollar valuation, and then their revenue hits a ceiling that's not that big online. And then it just goes. So there's like a, there's like, there's, there's basically a ceiling. I think there's a ceiling online for sure. Um, And there's a ceiling at retail, right? So for us, it's like we launch brands online. We work with massive retailers and it's like, let's go any way we can and like now with social media like all these people are like in like our social media celebrities right never mm-hmm. heard of them before a day in my life and now they have these lines and brands mm-hmm. and they're yeah. like but it seems like they're selling a lot of stuff yeah they are yeah. i mean it's you know we from the company that bought neff i spent some time with them several years and one of the are things are you okay by the way do you want more water yeah i'm good okay. i look like i'm dying you're, like, well, you're breathing a little heavy now <laughs> Um, Sorry. So we started a, a merch company and same thing. It was like Liza Koshy, Lily Singh, James Charles, like all these biggest YouTubers. And yeah. it's incredible. Like what, what they do. And when they literally send a post on Instagram to 20 million people, then all of a sudden 900,000 people go to this website and like 60,000 people buy a shirt. It's crazy. It's right. real power. But I think that's why we're trying to bridge the gap. It's right. kind of like you've got influencers that have the power. In my opinion, whether it's influencer, celebrity, whatever it is, there's only a handful that can really build businesses that can be worth a half a billion dollars, right? right? And we're in the business of trying to find the select few that want to work, that are authentic, that understand the hustle, 
that we want to partner with and try to build businesses worth three to five hundred million dollars, right? I mean, that's kind of our goal. Well, like, look, there's at, only a few of them. Well, like Kylie Jenner yesterday or the mm -hmm. day before, she sold fifty-one percent of her brand for six hundred, like six hundred million dollars. Mm -hmm. I mean, who would have thought? Like, I thought she was like the the sleeping dog of the family. You know what I mean? And she crushed everybody. Yeah, she's. It's it's just smart, right? Like Kylie knew her lane. She it's amazing. Knew it's amazing. What she was pushing. Mm -hmm. She was so incredibly smart that she only really pushed that. She's not doing fifty things. That's Absolutely. that's a critical thing. So she had, you know, Chris is, you know, I love Chris and I love just ripping with her and she's smart. She's brilliant. She seems brilliant. Yeah, she just gets it. She's nice and, and she puts the right people around right. her. So they've done an incredible job, right? Because it's like they know what Kylie was and mm -hmm. who she is. They had a very critical map of like, hey, here's our products. She's going to talk about it 10 times a day and we're going to go crush. Yeah. And that's what happened. And that's what they did. So like, I mean, it seems like from everything that you've said, what I've gleaned from all of this and not just from you, from other people and just from experience that, you know, really just being very specific and targeted is like, I think when you have too much, and you're too yeah. scattered, you fail. It, you don't, you don't, you don't excel at anything. You basically will mm -hmm. do, maybe you could do mediocre and okay, but it's the people and the companies and the people when they just kind of focus in their lane or one thing, they, they're the ones that really skyrocket in everything. I agree. And I think not only is that a good principle in business and not only are you picking the right product category right. that you think is a need, but it's the right talent. Like Millie Bobby Brown. I mean, yeah. she's a unicorn. She's she's 15 now. I met her when she was 13. In my opinion, she has more power of on everyone of the younger generation, right? Mm -hmm. Gen Z and below. They look at her as an icon, as someone they can relate to, as someone that they mm -hmm. love. She's Time 100, youngest to ever be on Time 100 list. She's a UNICEF ambassador. So for me, it was a no-brainer to yeah. partner with Millie because not only... Was there a, yeah, there could be a Gen Z skincare clean opportunity here. But when you pair it with someone so special as Millie Bobby Brown, it becomes exciting. Right, right. Right. And then it's Tracy Hellis Ross. I mean, her. Yeah. Why her? Why did you pick her? Yeah, that one was lucky. She, you know, it was kind of a mutual. She had already been on this journey for 10 plus years to create her own hair brand. Mm. And, you know, she's, in my opinion, you know, for that curly, coily hair, she not only is that person, and she, as a young kid, used to pick up the phone, call a number that would tell her the humidity, and that would be how she would leave her house oh, yeah. based on that phone call, right? Like, so she had been living this life, and she hadn't found the products that were perfect for her. She'd been trying for so many years to do it, and we luckily got introduced, and I, all I did was sit back and hear her. And Tracy just talked for 30 minutes. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I believe you. I right. believe your story. I believe there's an opportunity here and you're incredible. And she's so involved down to the creative, the marketing, right? So that's kind of been the formula. It's not like, oh, find some celebrities and build brands. Right, it's right, like, right. no, it's, we're finding very unique people genuine people and going after unique genuine categories and trying to build a business what's that what's that um hair brand called pattern pattern where is it sold everywhere ulta okay so we 
we launched it with Ulta. I mean, Ulta has been a great partner with us. They've they're kind of the leader in beauty nowadays, and you know, we partnered with them. How about Sephora? Isn't Sephora? Yeah, Sephora is still great, yeah. right? But we've kind of, as of now, we're on <laughs> our, the Ulta our, train. You're on the Ulta train, okay? Yeah, and I it's feel been like a great. lot of people are. You know, like this. Kylie been, went there. A lot of people did. I mean, Kim like, on this treadmill on your Woodway, there's been a, like a many people in the beauty and and in other products, and I feel like Ulta is the company or the partner that really has been stepping it up recently. Yeah, they, I mean, just for us, they've been so accommodating, nice to work with, appreciative of what we're trying to do and supportive. So, you know, and they've got a good message. They've got a big door count, so. Yeah, how many, how many do they have? How many? Oh, uh, I mean, what are they at? Close to a thousand, oh. I think, ish, might be off. Oh. That's okay. It's not an Alta podcast, so it's okay. I'm not going to hold you to it. Um, and then, is it like, what do you look for when you pick people? Then, like, are they just people? Are, are celebrities constantly? Is it just celebrities now that you partner with, or like, if some, if some girl or guy or whoever comes to like, you know, contacts Beach House and they have a mm -hmm. great idea, mm -hmm. you know, do they even stand a shot if they're not Kylie Jenner? Yeah, I think. Look, what I or Tom Brady or whoever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think. There's not one way to build a business, right? Um, I look at the success of Sunbum, right? It never had a massive celebrity. It never had a big spokesperson, right? It was just great product, killer packaging, clean messaging, ran well company that worked mm -hmm. with no big superhero or big celebrity pushing it, right? So there's not one way to do it. I think for for me, it's like, if there's an opportunity to find a category with someone that is a massive spokesperson, I just feel like you hit the market a lot quicker, right? Yeah. Instead of, you know, Neff or Sunbum, these that Took had to while. build six, seven years, it's like within one week, your kind of awareness is just where these other brands right. were in seven years. So do you have... What do you do? Like, what, like, just because it's called Habits and Hustle, do you have like a particular ritual? I, I don't go on treadmill. <laughs> no, am, I, am I like sweaty? Well, now? you're wearing like 90 like pounds of gold on top of it, but maybe that's why it's like I should, weighing like, you down. I slowly die on the treadmill. <laughs> um, this is going to be like kind of my last question. Um, do you have any specific habits or rituals that you do daily to kind of keep you on point or that you just want to share with us? Yeah, I mean, I don't know for me, I mean like activities, I like surfing, yeah. right? That's kind of, I love being out in the water. That's where I can really zen out. Uh, you know, something I try to do is not to work on Fridays. Oh, okay, that's I good. Just, you know, about a, a little over a year ago, I was just, cause it's such a grind, nothing turns off, right? And mm -hmm. I look at, you know, I've got the wifey and now three kids. One of Three kids? One of them right now is at home and he's, what eight days old and he came like seven weeks oh early it's just a little mini four and a half pounds oh my congratulations yeah yeah so so i guess you won't so, be a bachelor for my bachelor auction after all <laughs> yeah i guess not the bachelor yeah, okay i'm taken okay um but That's i think breast, breast cancer auction for yeah not just not for me not a bachelor for me yeah. <laughs> just making sure everyone's clear okay yes yes both taken yes um but 
you know, it was just kind of one of those where for so many years, like building Neff and like getting these first things up and running, it was just, I mean, you know, it's like all the business books. You got to be all in, rah, rah. Exactly. Right? But it was, it was heavy. It was like, you know, 15 hour days for years. Crazy, and it's sure. like you're traveling and you're gone for 10 days and you come home, you haven't seen like your wife and kids and they're literally like, I land and I'm like, get a text like, yo, this party's popping and this artist is there. And like, I'm like, I have to go there. Like, right. I haven't seen my kids in 10 days, but I'm always the FOMO guy. If there's any like, oh my gosh, any opportunity ever, I'm like, I'll turn, I turn over every single rock. So my husband is exactly the same way with FOMO. Like he'll yeah. like go to the opening of a paper bag if there was such a thing, because he's always scared if he's going to miss something. Yeah. But I guess in your business, that's super, yeah. that's like, that's important, right? Because there can always be a contact or a networking opportunity. There's always something. And that's why like about a year and a half ago, I was like, whoa, I've just been on, because my three things I always talk about are dream, believe, and hustle. That's like, those are my things, right? It's like, you got a dream, like, you know, something that doesn't exist are the best ideas, right? So you got to like, just dream, like, what do I want to create? And then the belief is like, yo, I'm a beast. Like, you just have to be like, I'm going to do this, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't come from like this conceited, like no. self-fulfilling, like, oh, I'm so good. I'm going to win. It was even down to my first company, Neff. I was like, there was never a thought in my mind that like it might not work mm -hmm. or like, oh no, like stuff would hit the fan and it'd be disastrous. And I would just be like, all right, what do we got to do? Fix it, solve it. And then just the hustle, right? It's just like, you just like, if you ain't killing it, someone's going to kill it a little bit harder and that person wins. Yeah. Um, so you are for competitive. me, it, it's great. You yeah, have to be, you have so, to yeah. be. And I think, so for me, I was like, it never stops. Mm -hmm. Like I could go, 24 hours a day, 365 days and have something to work on and a new business to start and a new contact and a new riff and a new. Pr so like for me, that's where I've been like very strict. Like I don't want to work on Fridays. Like I'll take some phone calls I've been there's the rare occasion. I'll right. have to have an important meeting that I can't change. But little things like that have been so important to me as a person because it just gives me like everyone's still working on a Friday and I'm chilling. I'm with the wife. I'm with the kids. Right. And I'm like, yo, those are my Fridays. I want to go that three-day weekend. It is what it is. I've worked too hard not to try to enjoy things as yeah, well. Yeah, you create boundaries. You know, you, you should just convert to Judaism because you get, uh, <laughs> you know what Shabbat is? Mm -mm. You don't know what Shabbat is? So I've heard Shabbat, but oh, okay, people don't work on they, like oh they, yes. yeah on Saturdays or yeah. you can't use your phone and whatever else, but usually it starts, so it's, it's on Friday. Friday. It oh, is on Friday. You like you have Shabbat dinner. They're already there. I'm like, telling you, you should just basically, we should get a rabbi in here and just convert you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you'll have, and then you won't even need an excuse. That's, right. That's true. Um, okay. Well that, listen, you've been a really great guest. Cause I think and you got me really tired. I know. <laughs> I'm pass I know. Out. I know you did a great job, but you're like kind of heavy breathing for a few seconds there. But, and now I'm back. But overall, yeah, exactly. I feel overall, like I should run now and finish strong. You, there, you want to do a sprint? No, you don't think so. How about <laughs> you press press that white button and tell me how many calories you burned? Six thousand. Wow, six thousand at the pace of one point one. I've been running a hundred. 177 miles an hour, wow. um, 114. Okay, good. So you burned 114 calories and you would have otherwise not have burned. So you kind of killed your, yeah, well you killed, you got some exercise. And, well needed. Well, there you go. I'm glad we can help. 
Uh, you've been great. So how do people find you if if they have a if they have a company or yeah. an idea they want to just pitch to your company? Can they do? How do they find you? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like, I'm not taking any more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go find someone else. No, no, no. no yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Do you want me to answer a question or no? Yeah. No. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. No, I mean, I, I mean, our my SMN, it's like website, whatever. And then I've got Kirsten, who's like runs my life and manages all my businesses. She's just like Kirsten at SMN inccom Like she gets a ton funneled through her, or just DM me on the gram. That's much easier. Slide okay. into the DMs. Okay, good. So, how, what's with some your, good ideas? What's your Instagram? Just my name, Sean Neff. And I, and I didn't post for like five years, but now I am. Wow. I don't really like that I am again. Well, are you getting a lot of people pitching you? Yeah. I think it's been a good vehicle just to like, just be accessible. Because mm-hmm. like for me, I don't think I'm that special. I don't, whatever. I'm not better than anyone else or whatever, you know. So I'm kind of like, like to have that as an easy way where it's just like, yo, I've got an idea. And I just kick them to Kirsten and vet it out. Well, that sounds great. You've been a great guest. And honestly, you've, got, you've given us some really good tips and information about Fridays also. I don't Fridays. know. Yeah. If, you know, if you're Jewish, you probably you know, know about that already. You already know the gig. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you so much. You really have been great. And thank you. Thank you for walking on the treadmill with me. I yes, appreciate it. That was fun. All right, you guys. And All we're right, I'm out. out. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out, hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries, tune in, you can get to know them. Be inspired, this is your moment. Excuses, we ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast, powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.